Welcome members and friends of Calvary Church Brighton, a growing evangelical church, preaching, teaching and living the gospel of Jesus Christ today. We also welcome those who might be visiting, whether you are in Billericay or Bangkok, you are most welcome. My name is Mark Rayfield, for those that do not know me, a member of this church. Our desire is that the Lord would use these broadcasts to strengthen his church so that we will not drift away from him during this strange season and to reveal himself to those who are seeking. If you would like to contact the church for any reason, just search online Calvary Church Brighton and there you'll find the details. Firstly, a word of encouragement. As most know, we are entering new challenges as a church, especially in terms of leadership. However, we must keep going and not give in to despair, as we will be thinking about tonight. We have recently been challenged to keep our eyes on Jesus and live our lives to the glory of God. In this season of uncertainty, we might not know what the future holds, but as we look ahead, we should be active in our faith. A number of things that we can do that we have recently been reminded of. One is to live each day to the glory of God, whatever situation we are in. The other is to to fix our eyes on Jesus. And the last, to be prayerful whilst trusting that he is sovereign. All these things we have seen lived out in such a God-honoring way in our fellowship over the last 18 months. This is a life that is faithful to God without regret, where we can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it and use our time to honour and serve him. The Bible is full of examples of lives well lived, but tonight we are going to hear about one which faces a tragic end. I'd like to read Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win their prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. One of our elders often uses the phrase press on, which is used by Paul in these verses. This metaphor of the life being a race and finishing well is a great help to us as believers. I remember running the 400 metres on sports day when I was 16. I was disadvantaged as I was in the outside lane, lane eight. So I wouldn't be able to see any of the other competitors until the last stretch. Thankfully, the best runner in my year group wasn't running for some reason, and I had a lovely pair of light athletic spikes to help. I did not expect to win the race, but I flew around the track like Eric Little, And as I came down the home straight, the crowd was cheering me on loudly. I can still remember that feeling, which was out of this world. A huge encouragement that greatly helped me reach the finishing line. 
I couldn't believe it. I had won the 400 meters and done it in less than a minute. The exhilaration was immense. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged as you run the race. Let us spur one another on and let us endeavor to finish well. Let us fix our eyes on Christ and press on, not looking back, but straining towards what is ahead. We have many challenges going forward as a church, but the Lord will help us and provide for us. Our first song is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing by Robert Robinson. A sober line in the last stanza is prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the gods I love. This is thought to be particularly autobiographical, referring to Robson's early life, when his mother sent him to London to be an apprentice as a barber. It was during this time, apparently, that he associated with a notorious gang of hoodlums and lived a debauched life until he came under the influence of Whitfield. Perhaps this evening you are feeling like this, prone to wonder. May you fix your eyes on Christ and not go off the narrow path. Let us sing together. Come, my Lord, no longer 
tarry, bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are. Thank you that you are a shepherd who cares for his sheep. Lord, with this uncertain time period, we uh, come to you and we realise that uh, we can despair. Lord, um, we might be feeling different feelings this evening, but we know that you are sovereign and that you know the beginning from the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And we want to praise you that we can give our lives to you. Lord, we do not know what a day brings, what a week will bring, but we know that you are there beside us, looking after us. Lord, we are sheep, we are prone to wander, and we need your loving care. Lord, I pray if there's anybody tonight listening to this that is wandering, that you would bring them to yourself, bring them back onto the narrow path. Oh Lord, you're such a good God to us. Thank you for keeping us this last week. Thank you for being with us through the highs and the lows. And Lord, we confess our sin to you. We are so prone to sin, Lord. And we ask that you would forgive the things that we have done and the things that we should have done. And we give you thanksgiving Uh, We thank you for these opportunities during this strange season. Um, Unexpected opportunities. We thank you for these broadcasts that go out that can reach anybody around the world. We thank you for the street evangelism that goes on weekly here in Brighton. We thank you for the people that we meet. Lord, please keep bringing people along and also the people that we've seen may you keep on bringing them along so that we might be able to proclaim you and save these lost sheep in this city we thank you how you've kept us safe as a church during this season and we want to praise you we um, come in supplication as well we there are lots of things we we can pray for we particularly pray for our elder Chris Fry, for his wife Katie and Mitchie. Lord, um, Chris's desire is that he finishes well, and we pray that for us as well. And we pray that we would be overcomers in our lives as we battle against sin, that we would serve to the end in whatever capacity that we have, that we would stick close to you in every circumstance. Lord, that we will continue to serve you. We pray especially that for Chris, that we would keep watch and protection over our lips, our attitude and our behaviour, that we would cause no one to stumble in any way. And we particularly pray for those that have heard the gospel over these last 19 months by the testimony Chris has given, that their hearts would be melted and that they would cry out to Jesus. O Lord, be with us for the rest of this service, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now we're going to sing our second song, 
How Deep the Father's Love by Stuart Townend. In the last stanza, it says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Stuart is quoting Paul in 2 Corinthians. Paul could boast of lots of things. He was an apostle, a learned Jew. He had done amazing things and he had suffered much. Though he decided, no, I am going to boast in Jesus Christ. This is challenging and difficult to sing, but we should sing it. Can we sing it? Can we boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection? Let's sing together. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in anything No gifts, no power, no wisdom but I will boast in Jesus Christ His death and resurrection Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom Okay, let's read our passage from Matthew 27, verses 1 to 10. And please keep this open during the sermon, because you should check what I'm saying is true to the Bible. Like the Bereans, they search the scriptures. And uh, if there's anything erroneous I'm saying, then uh, you can get back to me. So let's read Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 10. For those that are listening that have that don't know we have been going through Matthew in the evenings and we have got to chapter 27 early in the morning all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death they bound him led him away and handed him over to Pilate the governor when Judas 
who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 silver coins, the price set on him by the people of Israel. And they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. This is the words of the Lord. Let's pray for the message. Heavenly Father, we come to your word now. I realize that I am a fallible human being, prone to error, Lord. Um, But we thank you that you use um, people uh, to expound your truth. And we thank you that you've given us your words. And we pray now that you would help us to listen to your word attentively. Lord, um, this is not just a book that's being explained this is your words so if we're tired tonight eh, please help us not to be distracted but to hear your voice lord by your holy spirit please help speaker and listener alike in jesus name amen so lessons to be learned from judas part two dealing with regrets how do you deal with your regrets Keng Gwek Iav, or better known as Comrade Dutch, who recently died, sent thousands of people to their death in the killing fields of Cambodia. He was in charge of the notorious Tol Sleng prison in the 1970s, where enemies or perceived enemies of the state, of their regime, the barbaric Maoist regime, were detained and over extended periods tortured into confessing their crimes. Once their confessions were deemed complete, they were sent to the killing fields where they were smashed to death. On a list of 17 children and teenagers, he scribbled the words, kill them all. How terrible. In 1999, he was found in a remote corner of Cambodia working as a humanitarian aid worker And interestingly, as a lay preacher, apparently converting Cambodians to Christ. He confessed his heinous crimes and admitted that most detainees had been innocent of the charges against them. He claimed to feel remorse and begged for forgiveness. In the end, he got a life sentence. Most humans feel remorse, if not all from Cambodian military officials to Spanish midwives, and none more so than Judas Iscariot. But how did he deal with this? How should we deal with regret? Matthew has placed 
this account of Judas for a reason. No other gospel writer includes it in their books, and there are many lessons to be learned from Judas, so that we may not fall into the same trap as he did. We must learn from his mistakes, seek always to honour Christ, and not drift away from him. So let's look at the background from Judas, from part one. Let's recap. From Ben's earlier homily on Matthew, he taught us that Judas was a covetous man who betrayed Christ for several reasons. Firstly, for money, we learn that he stole from the purse a thief and betrayed Christ for 30 silver coins. Not a massive sum, incidentally. He was disillusioned, secondly, with Jesus. Perhaps he thought he would be a political figure to rescue them from the Romans. Thirdly, for his own self-preservation, to save himself from suffering as a disciple of Christ. And lastly, because he felt resentful of the fact that he had been exposed by Christ for who he was at Bethany when a woman poured perfume on Christ's head. I recommend that you listen to that sermon to get a real feel of who Judas was, if you have not already. Remember that Judas had been with Jesus throughout his ministry, which had been around three years. He had seen the signs, miracles, seen the demons flee, blind people restored, the sick healed. He must have known Jesus and the other disciples really well, living life together throughout Judea, hearing and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He would have been one to have witnessed if there was any charge against Christ. He had been in a very privileged position to be one of Christ's apostles. Well, my first point is false repentance, false repentance. Why has Matthew included this interlude in his narrative? Well, I think one reason is to juxtapose Judas with Peter, who we learnt about last week. Judas's story is one of false repentance. What does that look like? Let us get into the text. So you've got it with me, with you, sorry. Look at chapter 27, verses 2 to 5. Let's read them. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That is your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Perhaps Judas thought that Christ would never die through his betrayal. Because in these verses, it seems that Judas was shocked when he sees Christ bound and being led away to Pilate in verse 2. He is seized with remorse. Another translation says regret. He regretted it. In older translations, it says repent. Or maybe he did think this could happen, but it still hit him hard, seeing the one he had followed 
in an undignified way, seemingly going to his death. A former preacher writes, It is possible for a man or woman to feel their sins, be sorry for them, be under strong conviction of guilt, express deep remorse, to be pricked in conscience and exhibit much distress of mind, and yet for all this not repent with their heart. Like Judas, Saul is another person who repents falsely. When he has sinned against the Lord and has selfishly kept the spoil in 1 Samuel 15, instead of annihilating the enemy, which he was told to do, he keeps the plunder. I have sinned, he says, but words are not enough. Unlike David, there is no evidence of a contrite heart. As later we see him wanting to be reinstated by Samuel for his own good, to be honoured by the elders and the people. Saul was a selfish man. Words are all too easy to say. There must be a sincere apology to God and a real change. Real obedience is needed. We must be genuinely sorry for what we have done and seek not to do it again. It must be a godly sorrow. Secondly, the result of false repentance. Verse 5, I'll read it again. It says, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Judas, as a result of his false repentance, despairs, indignantly throws the money back into the temple and kills himself, we read. He was obviously angry and perhaps wanted to blame the chief priests for this awful treachery. It's your fault too. You're a part of this. In Acts 1.18, Peter is talking to the disciples and says, With the payment he received, Judas that is, for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and, his, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama. That is, field of blood. So from these texts, it shows how Jesus died by hanging himself. And the result in Acts is that his body fell to the floor and opened out. This would be the case if he hanged himself in the valley of Hinnom, as some say. There are trees that hang over the precipices there. And there is a sizable drop to the valley floor. What a sad end to one of Christ's disciples. In the end, his sin found him out. This is a prime example of those who live in ungodliness. They are never genuinely happy. The money he had stolen and had got through his treachery gave him much discomfort. In Galatians 6 verse 8 it says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. 
Its pleasures are for a season, that is sin. But its wages reap corruption and death. We see this regularly on the news. Celebrities ending their lives. Unhappy in their sin. Judas is an example of an ignoble end to a life which seemed to be full of promise and opportunity but ended badly. He finished his race tragically. Thirdly, true repentance. We saw last week that Peter, having disowned Christ three times, goes outside and weeps bitterly in chapter 26, verse 75. He feels remorse. Yet Peter's is different, as he evidently confesses his sin and comes back to Christ. After Jesus' resurrection, he is restored. Peter is reinstated as an apostle and is forgiven. His guilt is taken on the cross. His repentance is genuine. A restoration occurs. Later in John chapter 21, Peter states, You know that I love you, Lord. His is a temporary lapse, as Aaron said in his sermon last week. The Lord Jesus had prayed for him previously that he would turn back. And he did. True repentance. The Puritan Brook states that the Greeks have two words which express the nature of repentance. One signifies to be careful, anxious, solicitous after a thing is done. The other word denotes after wisdom, the mind's recovering of wisdom, or growing wiser after our folly. The Hebrew word for repentance means returning, going back, turning away from your sin, going to God. True repentance is a thorough change of both the mind and manners. In Matthew chapter 5, Verses 29 to 30, it says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it all away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This is hyperbole, exaggeration. Not to be taken literally. This is in a context of adultery. We must be active in cutting out sin in our lives. I remember I had to throw a TV away because it caused me to sin. Let's be ruthless and not dabble with it. Destroy it where it will destroy you. Sin is a hard task master, though it seems sweet. There are other references in the Bible to those who have felt guilty because of sin and have repented sincerely. The thief on a cross is an example to those who feel guilty. He felt guilt because of his sin. And he asked to be remembered when Christ entered his kingdom. Oh, sorry, he entered his kingdom. He realized the innocence of Christ. Also, notably, King David He says, I have sinned against the Lord to Nathan after committing adultery with Bathsheba. He is sincere in his repentance and recalls it in Psalm 51, verse 10 onwards. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. True repentance to salvation. So, thinking back this last week, did you really feel sorry for your sin? This day, do you feel guilt of a sin? Perhaps you're living in sin. Sin, for those that perhaps do not know what it means, is like missing the mark, like an archer misses the bullseye. We are all like that. We haven't lived up to God's standards and we must acknowledge that before him. Another picture is a picture of trespassing, going over a line, which we should not. Perhaps someone's property. We all trespass. We all go over that line. Maybe you've treated your husband, wife, children badly this week, been rude to them, said unkind words. Perhaps you have been thinking lustful thoughts about someone who isn't your wife. Maybe you've been gossiping about someone behind their back, stolen something which is not yours, failed to act in kindness when you should have. You need to repent earnestly and contritely like David, and you'll be restored like Peter and David, and endeavour not to return to that sin. We need to be truly repentant. Then we will feel free and joyful, ready to sing a new song. So to conclude, the life of Judas is an example to us of how we can shipwreck our faith. He had the chance to repent honestly and be forgiven, but he did not. Christ, who had called him friend, on the same day goes to the cross to pay for the penalty of our wrongdoing. We must learn to repent sincerely. We are not in a position of despair because we have been forgiven if we are genuine Christians. And we live with the benefit of looking back towards the cross. Even if you have lived most of your life and have ignored God, if you cry out genuinely, he will save you. Today is the day of salvation and you should not wait. Come to Jesus and you'll be forgiven. Jesus goes to the cross and one of those reasons is that we should not be under the weight of sin and shame. And we should live in freedom. For Christ has set us free. Let us sing triumphantly tonight in our homes that he's done that. Let's sing our last song, When I Was Lost, by Kate Simmons. Many are the wonders you have done.